This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. You might assume we're both good at presenting to a live audience because of this podcast. But at the end of the day, when we record, it really feels like we're just talking to one another. Presenting information in person in a formal setting to a large audience is something that still makes us really nervous. To prepare for a live speaking event we're hosting together, we turn to our masterclass subscription to not only refine our presentation skills, but to build our confidence in a different kind of public speaking capacity. Between Robin Roberts, Hillary Clinton, and Kevin Hart's expertise, our confidence skyrocketed. This year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass helps you actually do it. Masterclass offers over 180 world-class instructors. So whether you want to master negotiate with Chris Voss, think like a boss with Martha Stewart, or plan your dream wedding with celebrity event planner Mindy Wise, Masterclass has you covered. There are over 200 classes to pick from, with new classes added every month, like our latest aha moments from Robin Roberts' effective and authentic communication class that we watched before our event presentation. She taught us how to establish a genuine connection with the audience from the start. I'll always be a little nervous before presenting, but Masterclass prepared us in a way that dialed my nerves down and gave me tools to ground myself. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so there's no risk. And right now, our listeners get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Get 50% off right now at masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Masterclass.com slash shrinkchicks. Are you ready? Yeah, Shrink Chicks! <laughs> Welcome back to Shrink Chicks episode three. We are on our second part of our three-part series for relationships. My name's Jennifer Chaikin. And my name's Emily Beerley. And we are the owners of the Westchester Therapy Group. Uh, it's a private practice in Westchester. We won't go through the whole spiel again because <laughs> we'll just be torturing you. Um, so let's get started. I think it's so funny that we're recording today because what you guys should all know is that Jen and I have both had very shitty last 24 hours. And, you know, this morning I was like, oh, I don't think that we can go. I don't feel like I can't record today. Like, I feel like a fraud. I feel like how am I going to talk to people and talk about all this stuff when I feel like my life is a mess right now. And uh, it just really remembered me to sit here and thank you all for showing up today. Thank you for waking up. Thank you for getting out of bed. Thank you if you were able to shower, if you were able to get to work, if you were able to take a walk, if you're able to put some food into your body. Being a human is just really hard sometimes. It really is. It's so hard, right? And, like, so I was having such a tough day. I was, like, sitting in this pity party, and I have, like, this amazing, a really good friend of mine who has just gone through a lot of fertility issues, has had two miscarriages this past year, and got some really great news this morning. And uh, it reminds you to just keep trying, to just keep going, to make it through. And the other thing it made me think about as we start this conversation about maintaining healthy relationships is that everything happens within context. It's one of the things that we're going to talk a lot about as um, specifically marriage and family therapists is that everything happens within context. So meaning if shit is really hard for me at work and I'm not feeling great about my body and I'm really stressed out with my family stuff, then maybe stuff's going to be a little harder in my marriage because nothing happens in a vacuum. And so we'll lead into that, but remember everything you're going through, check all the different 
parts of your life of what's going up for you. Okay, also another thing to remember is that Mercury is currently in retrograde. I, that's, that's what you told me. So this morning when Emily and I were having horrible mornings, because we check in with each other, we say, what's up? How you doing? And so this morning we happened to both be miserable. <laughs> and so we were like, what's, what's going on? We realize that Mercury is in retrograde. So we don't entirely know what that means, but we we're know. not sure. <laughs> but it means something bad. And something about Scorpio, something's happening with Scorpio too. We don't know what that means either. But, but anyway, <laughs> not our specialty. Not what we're going to talk about today. So today, as we said, we're But give yourself grace. Give yourself some grace for the next, I think it's still like November or oh, something. Fuck me. I know, we're screwed. <laughs> but anyway, it still happens even when Mercury's not in retrograde. So anyway, today we're going to answer a bunch of questions. Tons. Tons of questions. Um, I think we should get started. Yeah, let's do it. So as we said, Emily and I have had pretty shitty mornings. Um, but one of the things that we have learned as therapists is, I mean, we've tried to learn, can't always put it into play, is how to try and regulate our own emotions which is so important, not just for your individual self and your ability to handle these really shitty mornings, um, but especially in your relationships. So that brings us into a huge topic of, because a lot of the time we tend to rely on our partners to comfort us because um, we've developed these expectations that that's what they're there for. They're there to be there to comfort us make us happy. You know, everyone always says, oh, when you meet the perfect person, you're going to live happily ever after. And then you kind of get this idea that your happiness depends on the relationship and the person that you choose. So we want to switch that around for you (laughs) to help you understand that your happiness is actually your responsibility. And, And here's the thing. Um, we have to be really disappointing to any fans of romantic comedies right now. Yes. Oh my <laughs> if God. If you're a huge fan of The Notebook, uh, we're about to really break your heart, which is that marriage is really not as organic and romantic as it looks. Long-term relationships are really tough. Um, it, it doesn't come as easy. And that's what to keep in mind. So a lot of us have really unrealistic expectations based of what we heard about what our idea of marriage is, what we've seen on TV and movies. And it's important for you to really check that. Your partner will constantly disappoint you if you think that they are going to meet all of your needs. A lot of us say, oh, well, my girlfriends understand me when I bed, but my partner doesn't. Well, then talk to your fucking girlfriends. I mean, your partner will not understand everything. It's why it's important to maintain an individual identity. It's wonderful if your partner can meet you there, but sometimes they can't because sometimes they're going through their own shit. Yes. And I and those expectations, I think, really fucked us up in terms of how we react to each other in mm-hmm. relationships, right? So, yeah. you know, if our partner isn't there for us 24-7, we automatically assume that uh, or we automatically react to them like, oh, well, you should be there for me 24-7. Like, you're my partner. No, no, that's coming from your unrealistic expectations that you developed from these romantic comedies that screwed us all up. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of Disney. So much Disney, yes. <laughs> right? Oh my god. But I, I think that. I think I have gone into relationships believing that they should be a certain way because of that. And how did those end up? I mean bad. 
Okay, so like tell like tell me more about like what happened for so, you personally. I think that it's just like it, it kind of like what I was saying. It was way easier to react to when I wasn't getting my needs met. Right before we like went through this whole understanding of like what relationships are actually supposed to look like, I felt more entitled to like react to things as opposed to now when I'm like, oh yeah, it's not my husband's responsibility to make me happy or make my anxiety go away. Mm. It's really my responsibility, and so. I think the no, if we don't talk about anything else, but we will, but if we don't talk about anything else, I think one of the most important things is learning how to self-soothe and regulate your own emotions. Great. So let's like talk about that because right now self-care is a huge buzzword. Yes. And there's a huge difference between self-care and self-soothing. So I want you to do that because everyone talks about like, oh, like a, a bubble bath is self-care. A bubble bath is technically self-soothing. Self-care is do I go to therapy? Do I go to the gym? Do I take care of my finances? Do I say no to people when it's really important to me, right? That's like self-care. Self-soothing is what do I do to relax me and to decompress in the moment. So self-soothing is could be meditation. It can be like, okay, for me, like, I had such a rough morning and I like called my husband and like totally flipped out because like the baby didn't sleep. She was just crazy. The nanny was late. Like there's just so much stuff that was happening. Um, and I flipped out on my husband. So then when I was like, all right, I can't do this. I had to get off the phone. It wasn't healthy. It wasn't good. It wasn't fair to him. I just was like trying to bring my own anxiety down. So instead I got in the car and I put my sound up to like 54 and I blasted nice. Robin. I blasted Robin. I was like, Good. oh yeah. <laughs> Wait, your sound sound system goes up to 54? Yes, it does. I can't hear anything right now. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, you I were heard... having a hearing problem. Yeah, that was from the earwax, I think. Yeah. <laughs> went to the top. Gotcha. Okay, wait, can we tell this story? Emily, please, can we please? Emily came in like a few weeks ago and she was like, I have a sinus infection. I'm so sick. I can't hear anything. So we were like trying to have conversations. She had no clue what I was saying. And I was like, oh my God. And I think she went home early. She like was like, I'm getting so sick. You want to tell the end of the story? So I went to urgent care and I'm like, I definitely have an ear infection. I've had ear infections my whole life. I know it is. And Lady Urgent Care was like, no, you just have a lot of earwax. <laughs> and it was so embarrassing. Okay, so it wasn't due to your loud sound system is what you're saying. I guess not. Apparently it's a genetic thing. Some people just <laughs> have more. Yeah, have you heard about the candle that like takes yeah, the earwax Yeah, I know. Out? I have to find who does it. You need like, a, like an acupuncturist or like somebody who's yeah. like really into Eastern medicine. If you are that person, message me. Cause yes. Because I need to become, apparently need to become. I don't know how uh, safe it is, but. I don't care. I'll become your client. Just do it. So, okay. So let's go into, right. So like I had to teach myself to like self-soothe this morning. So it's really important. Stop interchanging these words. Think about what's your method of self-care and what's your method of self-soothing, right? That's Absolutely. A, if you take one thing from this. We're going to do a summary at the end because that's one of the feedback we got from the past, last two podcasts was a ton of information. So we're going to start doing summaries and like takeaways. You need to learn what your method of self-soothing is. For mine, it is singing and screaming at the top of my lungs. What's yours, Jen? Mine's reminding myself that I can work through my anxiety So yours is reality check. Yeah, I reality okay. check myself constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's reality check. All right, so let's talk a little bit about expectations about fighting. Ooh, I like that. Because all relationships are different with fighting. And we get this question a ton about, like, um, do me and my partner fight too much? And one of the things that's important to keep in mind is think about quality, not quantity. Yeah. There's no, like, normal amount 
of like how many times you should fight. That's not a real thing. Your relationship is not comparable to somebody else's. You can't quantify it. But what you can do is think about how do we treat each how do we treat bleh, how do we treat each <laughs> other during those times. Yes. How do we use um, mean names? Are we passive aggressive? Do we go personal attacks? There's a lot of ways to fair fight. Are you doing them? I am always more concerned about the couples who come into my office and say they don't fight at all. But you know what? It's You can have like a discussion about things and have it not turn into a fight. But when couples are just not talking at all, mm-hmm. I'm a little more concerned. So How like, do, you, what, do you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, I think you attract that client more than I do. So what would your recommendation be to someone who like struggles with conflict in their relationship? Like they're conflict averse. Okay, so I think individually, so, okay, we're going to bring back a word. We're going to bring back a (laughs) phrase that we have said multiple times. You have to know yourself. What's the reason why you might be anxious about bringing things up? You know, like, what's the reason why you're holding things in? Um, Really think about, like, what's the fear, right? Mm -hmm. So if you have something to bring up to your partner and you want to address maybe something they're doing that's triggering something for you, what's the fear about how they're going to react? And to really think about, okay, so if I hold this in, how is this going to affect me in the long run? And how is it going to affect the relationship? Because in the long run, being conflict avoidant will hurt your relationship in the end. And this brings us to, okay, here's your next buzzword. All right, so let's go over them. Let's do our review. We have so many buzzwords. We have so many things. I am thrilled that the weather is finally warming up here in Philly. I went to switch out my closet the other day from my fall winter wear to my spring summer wear and noticed that I very much needed a refresh. So thank goodness for Quince that allows me to update my wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune. Now I have a lineup of timeless pieces that keep me looking effortlessly chic year after year. I refresh my closet with the high-waisted linen shorts that come in multiple colors and patterns, the comfiest cotton tees, and my latest favorite, the smocked mini dress. And don't miss out on their accessories. Quince has the coolest sunglasses and 14 karat gold jewelry to complete any look. The best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes, making me feel even better about my purchases. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash shrinkchicks for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash shrinkchicks to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash shrinkchicks. A really fun fact about me that you might not know is that if I let my hair dry natural, it is a frizzball mess, which is one of the many reasons I absolutely love pros. I truly never thought that I would be able to embrace my natural hair texture. Ever since I switched to a custom hair routine with pros, I've noticed so many benefits. Less frizzy hair, yes, but beyond that too. My hair is shinier, healthier, and so much more manageable. Filming the podcast every week makes checking out my hair unavoidable, and I felt so much more confident on camera thanks to pros. Pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do. The custom shampoo and conditioner combo, plus the hydrating leave-in conditioner and hair oil, keeps the frizz at bay. It also makes for the smoothest blowout. People keep asking me if I got my hair 
cut or went to the salon, which is, of course, the highest compliment. Pros isn't just better for you, it's better for the planet. They're certified B Corp cruelty free and the first and only carbon neutral custom beauty brand. They even have a review and refine tool which learns from my feedback and adjusts my formula to keep up with the seasons and changes in my life. I use this feature when I moved to my temporary house in New Jersey, back to my house house post construction project in Pennsylvania. Environmental factors like water source is something that pros takes into consideration with their customization. So it was very cool that I had the ability to update my location. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin, and they're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. So you get a free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash shrinkchicks. That's P-R-O-S-E dot com slash shrinkchicks. So, so far from last episode, feelings aren't facts. Know yourself. Know yourself. Right? Uh, What was the one we just said? I think that was know yourself. Or oh, unrealistic expectations. Oh, I got it. Also yeah. this one, self-care versus oh, self-soothing. Yes. All right. So then it brings us to we teach people how to treat us. Ooh, I like that. So if you are in your relationship and you always give in or you always become submissive or you, um, you know, really show – and this isn't just a romantic relationship. This goes for work relationships, for friendships. If you're always the one who will travel, if you're always the one who will stay late at work. Yes. If you're always the one who is, like, agreeable – like, how are you teaching people how to treat you? Like, what are you telling people you'll put up with? And is it serving you? And what's the reason behind it? And essentially, I guess the overall encompassing buzzword is boundaries. Mm-hmm. Where so, are your boundaries in the relationship? So then let's go into a question somebody asked us. Oh, I like it. All right. So, so Jen, so somebody said, how do I get my partner to take my stress more genuinely? Okay. I think one of the most important things to think about is at what times are you bringing up your stress? Is it when you're stressed? And when you're bringing up that stress, are you reacting to your stress? Because the way in which you express yourself is just important, just as important as the content that you're saying, right? So if you're saying to someone, I'm fucking stressed, you're driving me nuts, can you take me more seriously? That very easily might push someone back into their shell Mm -hmm. or get defensive and have a really hard time taking your stress seriously. Mm -hmm. On the other end of it, if you're bringing it up at a time in which you're not stressed and you're not reactive, to be able to say, hey, look, you know, after work, I usually feel pretty stressed. It would mean so much to me if you did this or took me into consideration in some way. Because here's the thing. When we have these reactions to our, to our stress in our relationships, it directly affects our partner and, and their react might trigger something in them, directly affects how they might react back to us. So relationships are all about cycles. So the good thing about that is that it gives you more control over the cycle if you take responsibility for what you're feeling and how you're reacting to what you're feeling. And also, if you're able to check out what your cycle is with your partner, it may make it easier. This is a term they call for emotionally focused couples therapy, catching the bullet. So if you can say to yourself, wait a second, babe, here's the cycle that we have noticed. It can actually take be able to um, like bring you both down. Right. Like it totally can decrease the anxiety because it feels like you're all on the same team working towards a common goal. And that's what we really want to make long-term part, long-term relationships healthy. It's 
you and I. We're on a team. We're doing this together. It's not us against each other. It's us against the problem. It also externalizes the problem yeah. to be able to do that. So you're not as personal. It's not as personal. You're taking you're taking yourselves out of the cycle and saying, let's look at this together. Let's see what what I'm doing, what I could take responsibility for, how I might be reacting, and let's see how that's affecting you, how you how you're reacting to it, what's tri- what it's triggering in you, and what you're doing with those triggers that might be affecting our cycle. And the nice thing about externalizing is you can use a really great phrase with yourself, which is the ability to respond and not react. And I want us to think about the phrase as we go into our next question, which first of all, I'd like to thank everyone who reached out to us and said they also don't know what bay meant. Okay. (laughs) Hold on. A lot of people agreed. One person said you're a dum-dum. Yes. And it was you. (laughs) I think um, I have to say this is one of the best things about doing this podcast. And it's the best thing about therapy too, is that, you realize that you're not the only one yeah. who doesn't know something or feels a certain way. It's like very normalizing. So to everyone out there who said they didn't know what bay, went, bay meant, thank you so much. You really normalized it for me. I feel a lot better about myself. I really appreciate it. Okay, let's continue. And here's the question that it came from, which was somebody said, how do you start difficult conversations with Bay when he's avoiding it? Now, let's take that phrase we just learned, the ability to respond and not react. Mm. If my husband is avoiding stuff, which, honey, you know that you do, and he kind of shuts <laughs> down a little bit, if I go out and go pretty, I know we keep using this term, crazy, like I, that that's me. When I say crazy, I basically like imagine Tasmanian devil. <laughs> oh my God. Like going through, and like that's what happens for me. Like when I feel like my husband like isn't meeting me there, like I really feel like my partner's like shutting down on me, I escalate so much more. Okay, can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. What are you feeling that causes you to escalate? Well, I feel totally out of control. Okay. I feel unloved. I feel ignored. There you go. Uh, right? Like that's for me like what it comes. I feel unworthy. Yes. Right? That's like for me like the big thing. Triggers for you. Exactly. So those are my triggers, right? And so what those triggers cause me to do is I keep escalating and getting more activated thinking it's going to cause him to get more activated it doesn't <laughs> that's not what happens he shuts down and then I'm like what huh and then you feel, and then do you feel even more unloved yes so that's and the, I feel embarrassed and ashamed so that's the thing that's the cycle it's because you, what you're looking for is more love and more more attention from you you want him to listen to you mm-hmm. so but we tend to react to our uh, more vulnerable emotions in ways that that don't get us what we really want or need from our partner. Absolutely. So when this person says, how do you start difficult conversations with Bay when he's avoiding it? I think you have to think about one, how am I approaching him? Yes. And, and what's the, a lot of us will try to approach stuff. Like I know for me, like when I'm like really tired and stressed, like sometimes I'll start conversations and that's like really not the time or place. Right. Or hungry. Or hung. Oh my god. Hungry is the worst. <laughs> That's the worst, right? Like if it's like late at night and I'm feeling stressed and I'm feeling anxious, so I try to ease my anxiety by like having conversation and putting it onto him. That escalates it even more because I'm really burnt out. I'm exhausted at the end of the day. So I want you to think about this thing we talked before. Everything happens within context. If my partner had a really tough day, if he's going through mental health stuff, if he, um, you know, is thinking about those things and just for the record i'm using he because that's the pronoun this person used gotcha right anyone it could be anyone your partner not, right so i'm just trying to talk to you my my dear friend my ba- my bay uh, <laughs> um like i want you to really think about like what's the context and what is happening and one of the ways to think about this i remember learning this in grad school and i just like loved this idea which is like 
if you and your partner are having a lazy Sunday at home and you're hanging out and they start tickling you and it's funny and silly or comfortable, tickling is great. Now, if I'm on the street in the middle of the night and a stranger comes up and tickles me, <laughs> not as sweet. <laughs> Everything happens within context. It's, true. it's the it's, same action. It's the same action. The context is different. One is safe. One is not. So think about what's the context that's happening this in. You know, <laughs> something else to think about is if you do want to bring up a difficult conversation, I think that saying, I mean, and I know this is a very ominous thing to say, but like, hey, babe, can we talk later? Or can we schedule a time to talk? Like, I want to talk about this. You know what I mean? So you're both approaching a conversation in a way where you know you're going into it. And you're both prepared for it where it's not this, oh, I caught them off guard. They're actually struggling with something else. They have, uh, they're having a difficult time processing it. They're more reactive. They're hungry. They're tired. And somebody, actually somebody wrote in um, a really great thing, which was have a code word for when you're already in a bad mood. That way your spouse knows. I love that. that. I, that's a great idea, right? I'll, I'll use that with clients and they tend to come up with code words that are actually pretty funny. So it breaks the tension. Oh, I like that. Like, what What would you say? Like, like Tyrannosaurus Rex farts? Ooh, that's a good one. I mean, I'm going to start using that one, <laughs> guys. I don't know, like, different fruits or, like, just things that have mm. nothing to do with the fact that you're about to have a serious conversation. Pineapple. Pineapple, right. Beautiful. Exactly. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, for those of you who just heard that loud thump... <laughs> Emily just uh, <laughs> slammed the mic into my eyeball. Slammed the mic into her eyeball. So that's what you get when Mercury's in retrograde, guys. <laughs> We're not sure what it means, but uh, you end up getting hurt in multiple ways. So my life is falling apart. So now my code word for my marriage will be Mike in the eye. <laughs> Mike in the eye. That's good. Okay, wait. We have to get to some more questions. said how do you deal with a passive aggressive husband when who has ADD and won't get help that's a tough one. Oh, that's really tough I think it kind of it spans into any partner that it might be struggling with something that won't get help because that is absolutely yeah, yeah yeah right so like maybe that's like my husband my partner has anxiety my partner has depression my partner um is going through fertility issues I mean any of these things and like it's really hard to get help really hard and we're going to do an episode about finding the right therapist and like doing that whole process, but it's so daunting and it's really difficult to do. And especially if you grew up in a family yeah. where uh, recognizing emotions or getting help was seen as weak or that there's something wrong with you and slowly that stigma is breaking down, but not enough. And so we're here to break it down some more. So... Now, the person asked this question, I want you to think about one of our key phrases from today. We teach people how to treat us. Ooh, that's good. Have you taught your partner, that's okay, do you often yourself become passive-aggressive? We all want the right partner, but are we all being the right partner? So think about what is my role in this, and how, like, is that interacting with it? Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts? I Jen's, Jen's still thinking about the mic in my eye. I, I mean, it's hard not to. <laughs> it's hard not to. It's now burned in my brain. Okay. And I don't know if you noticed, guys, I'm speaking way louder on this podcast. <laughs> that was also all I the was feedback. told 
that I'm a quiet speaker, so I don't. You can't see me, but I am screaming <laughs> into the microphone because <laughs> okay. Emily's just naturally loud. Okay, well, you can literally hear me in the next time zone. That's not a problem. So true. Yeah. All right. Somebody said, "I'm curious on ways to build trust in a new relationship when my prior partner was cheating." Okay, I think. Wait, that- let's start with. Yes. I'm really sorry that happened to you. Yeah, I am sorry too. That's pretty tough. And for any of us who have been on that side. Um, Which most of us have. Most of us have. It is very difficult to it's rebuild trust. Horrendous. Even if, it's, even if you're no longer with the person you did that to, or if you decide to work it out with the person who was unfaithful, it's really hard. And you are tremendous for giving relationships another shot, and I'm really impressed with you. Just wanted you to know that. Your positive affirmations are beautiful. I'm trying really hard because life is shit right now. It is. Thank and you. And you're doing, are you doing that for yourself also? I'm just going to therapy and taking a bunch of Zoloft. That's good. I mean, that's <laughs> similar. <laughs> same, same. Um, so, same, same, but different. So this, this actually touches on some of the things we talked about in the last podcast in terms of bringing, like, past triggers into your relationship. Mm-hmm. Triggers versus trauma versus intuition. Yes. And so I think that in general it's difficult or it takes time to build up trust in any new relationship. And when we talk about trust, we're not just talking about cheating or infidelity. Uh, we're also talking about the ability to emotionally trust your partner, right? So like, and that is really, really important. What that means is can I be completely vulnerable? Can I be completely myself? And will my partner be there for me? So that's a really big part of this is building that emotional trust. And it sounds like what this person is speaking to is that it is way harder to have that off the bat or it takes longer for that to build when in the past you have been really hurt or you have felt betrayed. And so going into a new relationship, it's something that takes time. But I think one of the most important things is being very honest with your new partner about what's going on for you. And it, it tags in it tags into what we were talking about before. If you are feeling triggered and you're feeling like you don't trust your partner, how are you going to bring it up to them? Are you going to do it in a moment of reactivity? Or are you going to self-soothe, work through that reactivity yourself, and then come to your partner at a time in which you have self-soothed and worked through it so that you're not reacting? Because if you react to that trigger, your partner might react back. It might further hurt the trust you have in the relationship. So you have control over the way in which you are expressing your mistrust to your partner. And and that also brings up another amazing question, which somebody said, which is, is it healthy to not, um, to not want or be able to share when a toxic ex reaches out to you? So I'm thinking what this person is asking is, do I need to share it with my new partner when my ex partner reaches out? Right. That's good. What do you think? Well, I, here's the thing. There's a difference between privacy and secrecy. And in your relationship, you have to define which is which, right? So in my relationship, there's things that I don't necessarily share with my partner. One, my partner doesn't know what happens during the day with my clients. That's confidential. Right. That's not me keeping secrets. That is my um, legal and ethical obligation right. to have confidentiality for my clients. That doesn't mean I'm keeping anything from my partner. Now, there's some stuff that gets brought up that affects my marriage. And once again, I don't bring that to my husband. That's something that... I do self-soothing with and deal with myself. Now, what for your relationship, you have to think about what's privacy versus what's secrecy. Everyone's is different and it's important that you define it. Now, I want you to think about in your every relationship, there 
you should have an idea about what is sort of our rules that we do right what's the contract that we're agreeing to together is it for monogamy is it for complete openness you know my partner and I don't really share our texts with one another. It's just nothing that's ever come up. Um, I don't feel the need to look at his. He doesn't feel the need to look at mine. But that's because um, we feel like there's a lot of trust in our relationship. Now, when there's been infidelity, sometimes that rule within your relationship changes. Mm-hmm. And so over time, it's important to keep negotiating what is the rules within your relationship. Now, if you decide that stuff with your exes and if you aren't let's think about it this way if you are reach if the, an, a toxic ex is reaching out to you and you are not responding but it's really been difficult for you maybe you want to share that with your ex for comfort and, if, and support if it is difficult for you and it's affecting your relationship because it's difficult for mm-hmm. you that would mean something yeah. right because then it, the most important thing is to ask yourself how might this affect my relationship right and me yeah and me and how if it's affecting me, how might that come out in my mm-hmm. relationship? And the, something to remember, too, is that everyone's contracts are different in yeah. every relationship. And that's okay. You know, And it change, might change over time for your relationship. Right. In the same exact relationship. Yeah. And that's okay. I think we tend to compare our relationship to other relationships. Oh, is this right? Is this wrong? Because there's no handbook. Yeah. And there's no one saying, oh, this is what you definitely should be doing. But everyone's ideas and contracts might be different. And Mm -hmm. so it's something to decide within your relationship. Now, okay, here's one. Once again, don't forget, Jen hates talking about herself, but I have to do it. Um, So my husband and I got together before when we were really young. We were 20 years old, right? So we got together. I was still going to school to be a special education teacher. Wow. Yeah, so I wasn't having conversations about the contracts within our marriage, with our relationship and what the rules are. Now, when you started with your husband, it was after you were a therapist. Correct. I want to know what that then looked like. So. Because I had to renegotiate. Yes. After I, like, learned about this in grad school and after I read a whole bunch of books and stuff, I was like, ah, ha, ha, let me redefine this. It's different for you. Yes. So I think you have to work within the context of your relationship. Mm -hmm. This is a really good example of what we were talking about earlier in that just because I'm a therapist and I know all these things doesn't mean my partner does Mm. and doesn't mean he necessarily will approach every conversation in the same way I do. And does he get like sort of annoyed if you go to therapist-y? Absolutely. I would too. Which is understandable. For sure. I would too. Um, So that's why I don't know if you remember in the first podcast I said I do sneaky therapy <laughs> we call the manipulation right I think we, I'm still calling it sneaky therapy I like that better positive reframe positive reframe so yeah um no I I don't approach it in this exact way of we need to sit down and talk about these contracts but we will often have conversations about what works for us and if we disagree we talk about it in a way that's going to be productive so yeah but I can say that after grad school it it took some time to implement because I don't know if you remember this too. When me and Emily first started to become friends, we were in grad school. And so I got we, mad at you. Yes. So Emily <laughs> was having like a breakdown. And I don't remember what. I don't remember what it was either. Yeah. I think I have no clue actually. So we were learning so many theories and ways to communicate. And so I went into therapist mode and she got so pissed. <laughs> she was like, can you just not be a therapist? Can you just be my friend? Can yeah, you just right. be my friend? Which is very fair. So a lot of the times, too, when I have friends 
ask me for advice, I have to ask, like, do you want me to be a therapist? Do you want me to be your friend? Because mm. it's hard to turn off. Do you agree? It's very hard, but I think also in my relationships, sometimes I'm not sure what people want from me. Right, so you have to ask. Yeah, like, like there's, like, times where I don't want to, like, disappoint people when I'm just, like, Emily because, yeah. like, they're looking for something. And that's my own shit to deal with, though. Right. Right, like, I shouldn't project that onto them. I need to just be, like, authentically myself. But, like, we're not – I mean, we're pretty much ourselves in the room, but there's still – like, we don't make it about ourselves, right? right. Like, there's still – So that's what's hard with, that's, like – Yeah. That's what's hard in your relationships is that you – like – if you're asking someone who's not a therapist who hasn't done this work, they just talk. They just say how they feel or what comes up for them. We're, like, constantly filtering mm-hmm. whether we're projecting our own stuff or not. And, like, and trying to not because, like, one of the big rules ethically is, like, it can't be your agenda. It needs to be your client's. Right. So even if I, like, you know, I'll work with a client. And, like, we love our clients. Like they're So like, much. We, like, no matter what you think your therapist genuinely cares about you, or at least us as therapists, like, we genuinely care about our clients. We really love them. So, like, it's hard. When I've been working with someone for a long time and, like, they're doing unhealthy behavior, I often want to save them. I often want to be like, oh, God, like, you deserve so much better than that person. But that's really not my place. Right. And if they're not in the place to hear it, they're going to be like, well, screw you. And that's not what we're here for. That's, that's not, not what our job is. Yeah. yeah. We're just going to – and you know what I was going to say? You know how we both had bad days today? Every time I, I see a client, I'm, like, totally taken out of anything that yeah, I amazing. was dealing with. So mm-hmm. it's, like, the best therapy to see clients because you're so engaged with what they're you get going out of your through shit, and you yeah. get out of your own shit very easily. Absolutely. Now, as we go back to the idea of maintaining healthy relationships – communication everyone talks about communication you hear it all the time you have no idea how many people come into the office and they're like oh our issues with communication usually it's not (laughs) it's not a lot of times it's not actually about communication a lot of time it's about attunement right what you think about this word of attunement am i attuned with my partner are we on the same page and I think before, two episodes ago, we talked about the Gottman Institute, which do, they do a ton of research about like what makes healthy marriages and what makes marriages work and what predicts divorce. And one of the things that the Gottman Institute talks about is that of, of emotional bids. So the example that they give is I'm walking out of my bedroom and I see my partner in the bathroom and um, they're like ferociously brushing their hair. Like you can just see they're like, oh, something's up, right? They're feeling some type of way about something. And I have a choice in that moment, which is to go towards my partner and say, hey, is everything okay? Or to take one look and say, I ain't touching that with a 10 foot pole and walk my ass down the hall the other way. In that moment, you have a choice. Do I make the emotional bid or not? And here's the risk about emotional bids. Does my partner show up there for me? Right. Is there a rejection involved? Is there rejection? With all emotional bids, there's a possibility of rejection. With all relationships, there's a possibility of rejection. For this person who asked the question about how do you start difficult conversations with Bay when he's avoiding it, you may face a lot of rejection. That's why we talked about in the last episode is just because you end up married to the person doesn't mean there's not hurt. You know what I think one of the most um, helpful things you can do, and and when I say this, I say it lightly in the sense of becoming comfortable with negative emotions. Mm. That includes rejection. Distress tolerance. Distress tolerance, self-soothing. Yeah. Right? So being – and when I, I, when I say it lightly, I mean it, you're never going to be 100% comfortable with being rejected. But the more you're able to tolerate rejection, the more you're able to tolerate difficult emotions, the easier it will be to go into these conversations to, to lend that emotional bid and to open up the opportunity for connection. 
Um, so it goes back to like, so this thing about communication, right? I want you to think about in your long-term relationship or on your newly relationship or your 50 years of marriage or whatever the hell you're on, what do we communicate about and how do we communicate it about? Those topics might include sex, money, in-laws, the future, decision-making. Do we have a shared vision for our marriage, for our relationship? Um, I want you to think about how often do we talk about these things? What's the conversation? Most long-term couples have like the same kind of fights. Like, over right, and over again. Right. Like a lot of times it's money, sex, and in-laws. Yes. Would you say? Yes. A hundred. Or, you, or um, parenting. Parenting's a huge Parenting's one, right? A huge Different one. pages. So, like, how do we communicate about this, and how do me and my partner talk about us on the same team? And then it brings up somebody asked a great question. Do you recommend any games or books? Somebody to chat with your partner with over a glass of wine to bring you closer. That's so nice. That's so beautiful. First of all, good for you of wine to be closer to your partner. Yes. I have a few suggestions. So I just talked about the Gottman Institute. The Gottman Institute actually has a great app. You can download, right. and it's a, it's a card game on your phone that you can play. There's a great, if you Google the 36 questions to fall in love, there's a wonderful New York Times article about this. And it goes from kind of the least intimate to the most mm-hmm. intimate, so it kind of brings you into it very slowly, yeah. so it's not very intense off the bat. I'll, so I'll, once you start drinking your wine, it yeah. allows you to get into it. A lot of times also think about, even if you've been married for a while or been together for a while, there's nothing wrong with going back and doing some premarital work. There's a great book called 101 one questions to ask before you say I do check that out even though you're still together I think too like even if you don't have uh, specific questions to even just play games with each other that Mm -hmm. have nothing to do with asking questions it helps you to feel closer anyway you're having fun together you know we tend to get into the same routines of watching tv or taking care of the kids and then sitting down and watching tv or reading a book and so you're not doing... Were you stuff. at my house last night? No, but I was at my own house, <laughs> minus the children. I was at my own house. I just know. So um, so even just doing something interactive together, even if it's not specific to asking questions, um, I think is really important and can be really beneficial to your relationship. There's a million ways to make your relationship work. It's not about right or wrong. It's not about good or bad. It's about what finding works for you and your partner that comes from attunement. It comes from emotional bid. It comes from talking. The things that we really talked about today teach people how to treat us. We respond and not react. The importance of self-soothing. Feelings aren't facts. All these things, these little tidbits, we keep giving them to you so you start remembering them. You need to know yourself. We're going to say it every episode. Know yourself. We're going to drill into your head. You're going to hate us. And as you learn to know yourselves, we'll continue to embarrass ourselves. So let's play personal and professional. Or just embarrass me this time. This is for Jess. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you ready? I like that part of this podcast is just embarrassing ourselves. Yeah, I think that's like the majority of it. I think people enjoy that maybe the most. That, that, that we're embarrassing yeah, ourselves? Yeah, probably. Yeah, that makes sense. Because, like, that's what I would enjoy on a podcast. (laughs) Somebody humiliating themselves? Just, like, talking about themselves or, like, saying, you know what I mean? Like, when people get personal. Anyway, just keep going. I'm I'm prepared. Jen is, wait, just so everyone knows, that was Jen's anxiety to avoid me asking her questions. I'm just going to keep talking. (laughs) That was it. She was like, can I run out the clock here? No, you're almost there. (laughs) No, you can't. All right. Personal versus professional. I'm ready. All right. Here it goes. Jen, you continuously, it's football season. Oh, no. It's football season, and you have been feeling disconnected. You've been working long hours. Mm -hmm. You've been really disconnected from your partner. (sighs) 
you want to connect. You've been looking forward to all week. Thursday nights, finally the night you get done early. You had sort of chatted with your spouse beforehand about like Thursday night will be our night. You get home. They're already in their sweats. They're on the couch. They're watching TV. And they're like, that's them for the night. You try to make a few like little emotional bids. You try to go in for it. And they're just not responding. Personal versus professional. What do you do? Tell me. Okay, I'm going to start with professional. Because that's always the easier one, isn't it? Um, so professionally, I would say first check in with yourself, right? See how it's making you feel. Are you feeling rejected? Are you feeling abandoned? And recognize what you want to do with that emotion. If your immediate reaction is to react and say, I can't believe you would do this. Get off the couch. You forgot about me. Whatever. Then I would say take a few minutes Go upstairs, give yourself some time to self-soothe so you can go back down and if he seems open to it or she, whatever relationship you're in, um, check in and say, hey, you know, I know we talked about this being our night. I feel really hurt that you're in your sweats and we're not doing something. Can we do something tomorrow? Can we do something this weekend? Respond instead of reacting. Beautiful. Personal, Beautiful, right? Personal. I would come home from work. <laughs> <laughs> come home from work after a long day. See him on the couch. In my relationship, it's a he. See him on the couch and I would internally say, oh my God. <laughs> What's happening here? I would probably go upstairs, give myself a few minutes say how am I feeling still probably feeling pretty bad (laughs) go back downstairs hold it all in sit next to him on the couch watch a few tv shows go to bed go to bed angry which okay okay it's okay that's okay people listen there's an ongoing myth there's a myth in this world you shouldn't go to bed early Go Angry. the fuck to sleep, Go man. to bed. Go to sleep. It's tiring. Because here's the thing. I would not be able to regulate my emotions in those moments. I would not be able to have that conversation. Mm-hmm. When you're tired. There yes. is no chance. The only way I would do it is maybe in the morning. That would probably be the best for me. After I've eaten breakfast, maybe before yeah. I go to work, depending on how many clients I have. If I have too many clients, maybe not that day, maybe the next day. So that would be my personal. What do you think about that? I dig it, man. Hey, that's episode three. Episode three. Thank you so much for tuning in. Once again, if you have joined us for all three episodes, we appreciate you so much. And if you could please subscribe, we would love you so much. We actually Rate, review us. It's okay. It's okay. We love you anyway, even if you don't subscribe. I mean, we're a little desperate, but it's fine. We're desperate, but we appreciate you <laughs> and we hope you enjoyed this. If you have any feedback yeah. for us, please reach out. Hey, part Our, three. Part three is going to be about the end of relationships. Whether friendships, it's divorce, work, yep. friendships. Um, I also think we can talk about like being single and single life. I think that that deserves its own episode, but hell yes. Maybe so, we could segue that We could also tell you one. a few different ones we have coming up. Few different ones ending of relationships um sex sexual pain we have an amazing guest we'll have for that one can't wait for that can't one. wait for so that important we're talking about body image self-esteem we're also going to do one of finding the right therapist and for the, you and the therapy process yes. in general 